Welcome to Creative Chat, the show in which creativity is celebrated and explored with a little therapy thrown in. Each show brings artists from different modalities together to discuss their art, their creative process, and how we all are interconnected. Tune in today to find out how with your host, Dr. Judy Bloom and entertainer Richard Skipper. You surviving? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just got this book. I have to tell you, we are in Mercury retrograde, and I first That's of all, a problem. I knew there was an issue. <laughs> happy Tuesday! Uh, it, it's like things are crazy, you know. Yeah, they are crazy. Like I mentioned to you a little a couple minutes ago. It's been one of those days. <laughs> just. <laughs> One of our guests is going to be coming on any second. I'm so excited that Suzanne is here today. And she just said just before we went live that it, it feels like right now, you know, spring is here. Everybody is out of the gate. The weather is nice, at least here in New York and New Jersey, where she is. Everything is beautiful. Uh, and we are overwhelmed. Everybody is doing shows. Everyone's doing events. Uh I am invited to fundraiser after fundraiser after fundraiser, and I just can't keep up with it. Yeah, I, I have every something in addition to my work and everything else that I do, right? I have something literally every single night. No. <laughs> every. <laughs> no, we're normally on Thursdays. We're here on Tuesdays because I'm dealing with scheduling and I'm dealing with doctor's appointments and everything. You know, you hit your 60s and then it's like every other day you've got to see another yeah, doctor's doctor. appointment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For all the right reasons, everybody. Okay. go if, if the doctor wants you to do a checkup, go out there and do it. Um, I want to take a moment to acknowledge two very special people. Uh, that made a huge difference, at least in my life. And the first, Harry Belafonte. Oh, I mean, yeah. his the, his music uh, and his activism. Yeah. Uh, God bless him. And Barry Humphreys, Dame Edna. Dame Edna, yeah. Oh my God, the laughs. Yeah, she's hilarious. I saw her. I think I saw her three times. And yes, she, I, I, mean, I saw her twice incredible. on Broadway. Yeah. Yes. So we've got three incredible artists. I want to jump right in today. Um, we have uh, a great publicist. We have uh, one of my favorite entertainers who is uh, the, just before the pandemic. She wins a Bistro Award, which we'll talk about. And just as she wins the Bistro Award, everything shuts down. So now after three years, she's returning to New York. And then uh, again, one of one of the greatest guys that I know in the business, uh, Michael Orland is here. He plays for everybody in the business. Uh, I've known him for years and one of the nicest guys. But let's bring on our first guest here. Uh, Suzanne Ortiz Curry is here. I am so thrilled that you were here, Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne uh, is a publicist. Uh, talk about busy. I mean, she's got so many events going on. And she has her own show as well called The Libby Show. Lunch with the ladies. Uh, this is our own version of that today, I hope. <laughs> ladies and gents, ladies and germs, whatever you want to call it. Suzanne, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Richard. Thanks for having me. I know it was short notice and I'm glad I could make it. And I also want to shout out a thank you because you had uh, two people that I work with on a podcast. You've had Brad Forenza and Taylor Perdee on your show. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Now, you and I are LinkedIn uh, connections, mm -hmm. uh, and I saw that you are involved uh, with the upcoming Richfield uh, Film Festival. And uh, mm -hmm. when I saw that, I reached out and asked you to come on. Uh, and you, at first, were a little trepidatious because of your busy schedule, uh, but you did say yes to being here today. So thank you. Uh, so as uh, someone who is in the PR end of the business, uh, and a lot of people are looking for uh, someone in public relations, mm -hmm. um, 
with everything going on right now, um, how do you cut through the noise to try to reach an audience for your clients and for the events that you're covering right now? That That's a big question, and that is the million-dollar question. Um, <laughs> first, I just want to give you a little background. I'm, I'm up there also um, in age, and I've been doing public – I started my own firm – 30, I had my 35th year anniversary, March 12th. Wow. I'm, doing, I'm having my own business in PR, but I did it in college also. Um, so do the math to figure out how old I am. And it's it's just something that um, it's, I keep telling my husband, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of this. But it's just, I think it's just in me because I'm a connector and that's what PR people do. But I also got into, through my clients, um, and I'm not going to give you the whole story, a reality star and then a, a soap, an Emmy award winning soap actress and then uh, another person that's an award winning actress. I got into the field of entertainment um, and it was like, you know, like God was like putting me towards what I love to do. So now I work in entertainment and I just love it. So I ended up doing producing film series podcasts, but what I do for them and my specialty is trying to get them heard through all the noise, exactly what you said. And it is very, very difficult. I mean, I've had, um, I've had films that have had, you know, Oscar winning actresses in it and they still don't do well. And there's so many things that go into, and I'm talking about entertainment products now, um, it probably applies to everything else, but I'm more in the entertainment product content now. There's so much out there. Uh, the streamers have disrupted everything. It's impossible for movies to compete with um, new titles that are coming out every week on every streamer. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. And my advice to anyone that's doing content, uh, you know, just like what you do, no matter who is distributing it, you need to be your own champion and you need uh -huh. to go out and do everything you can. And there's only one window now. There used to be in the good old days, you'd see it in the theater, then it would come out on a DVD and then maybe you'd find it um, coming on, you know, one of the uh, cable networks would buy it. So you had three windows to publicize what you're doing. Now you have, I'd say about a month. You have a couple of weeks before it comes out and then you have a couple of weeks after it's out and that's your window because then all of the outlets want something new. Right. Are, are you working mostly with, with um, the theatrical debuts or with uh, cable television debuts? I work with um, independent movies. Mm -hmm. I work with, on some independent series mm -hmm. and I have two friends and speaking of being busy, I will give a shout out. Um, Trent Dawson um, is the founding and artistic director of the Katona Classic Stage. Mm -hmm. um, I work with him and then my friend Katie McLean and a three-time Emmy award-winning actress is the artistic director of the Axial Theater based in Westchester. So I do help out with those those two. And Trent has his uh, debut of um, new show coming out on Friday. And Katie just had one on Saturday. Everything is popping. Right. Well, Suzanne, you mentioned earlier, you've been doing this for 35 years uh, in, the, in this realm. But when you started out in PR, um, were you doing PR for businesses outside of entertainment? And when you got involved in entertainment, um, what is the, uh, besides social media, because that's been the real game changer, what is the biggest change that you've seen in the business in terms of how audiences approach PR and how the clients are looking for what you deliver? Okay. Another good question, but I have the answer. Okay. <laughs> I've been doing this for so long. PR has changed like you wouldn't believe. And I had really, I would... I was such a geek. I was such a nerd. I would get excited every time I got a new job, a new project from a client. And my bread and butter was the medical and legal field. So I would do newsletters. I would place ads. I would run seminars. I've done PR for everything from pizza places to the mattress that you put in foam. And I would get excited about how I could market foam. Um, and there are innovative ways to market foam. It was kind of like what the pharmaceuticals do now, which you go to the end user. And it didn't used to be like that. 
Um, what disrupted PR, of course, was the internet. And I remember the first time a client asked me to do a website and I just said, it fell under public relations. And I was like, but that's tech work. That, that's, that's not what I do. And the same thing happened with social media because social media is numbers and tech work. And if you look at the social media, you look at the PR blogs, they're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's not what we do. So you'll see that that's why there's so many new jobs. There's PR people like myself that specialize in earned editorial. And then like I have a social media person. They take care of the numbers and all the tech work. So there's so many different jobs in PR. And I think your question was the best way, oh, how it disrupted. So back in the day, I hate that term, but back in the day, a client, an entertainer could not get into any media without a pitch or someone pitching them because of social media, they put it out there right away. Just like with book agents, people can self-publish, but with PR, I did find that. In fact, in some, some cases, I would just have to say, I just sent the press release out. Don't go tweeting it now because we wanted this person to have the exclusive. If you put it out there now, everybody's going to know about it. So it does make things a little difficult, but it makes things a little easier because the, the actor or entertainment client can also shout out what his, he or her is doing or they. And how is the, you know, uh, lack of print media um, compared to what it used to be. You know, magazines aren't printed anymore, right? Basically, how has that affected your business? Another excellent question. So, you know, I saw it coming, you know, there's certain regional, there's the regional local and the hyperlocal mm -hmm. um, media now. And there used to be a big newspaper. And I remember when I pitched my clients for articles, could, and I had, as a public relations person, people come to me for my contacts. I would have the writers of these big papers saying, um, they're firing everyone. I don't have time to do the story. So what I did was when I was finding there was no place to put it, um, I started my own entertainment website, which is Susie Behind the Scenes. And the reason I started that was because I didn't even have one place I could guarantee that would run a press release. So I use my Susie behind the scenes as a landing site for the clients that I work with. And I have a couple of writers now and I really enjoy doing it. But in the meantime, there were many other people that started entertainment websites. So now you might not have the print, but you have, as my husband would say, you probably have an infinite number of places you can get your clients in. And that makes it a little harder. That's great. Well, don't go anywhere. I want you to stick around because we're going to shift gears for a moment. Uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, our next guest, she won the Bistro Award just before everything went crazy in the world. Um, I'm going to give a little glimpse for everyone. She's going to be returning to New York, and we're going to show a little glimpse of her upcoming show. And this is the incredible Lorna Dallas. I am in love with her. She knows it. Uh, but here she is. And uh, you'll see her on the other side, Lorna Dallas. Hey, New York, I'm gonna get you yet. Dallas. <laughs> hey, New York, I'm gonna get you yet. Give me, give me a chance, and I know I can do it. Give me, give me a lift, and I'm gonna see to it. Give me, give me a lift. And I'll buy me some new Italian clothes and French perfume And strike a fancy pose and elevate my nose And mom and dad wouldn't know me All I need is one good break Just one good break Then mister, watch my speed Give me, give me a chance Give me, give me a lift Give me, give me a break. That's all I need. From Natchez to Mobile, from Memphis to St. Joe, wherever the four winds blow. Been in some big towns and heard me some big talk. 
But there is one thing I know A man is a two-face Worrisome thing Who leader to sing As you can all see, she's doing my lap. <laughs> Lorna, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. And welcome. Oh, thank you, Rich. Thank you, Richard. It's lovely to be with you. Always. So, I just want to let everyone know that you are going to be uh, at the Laurie Beachman Theater on Saturday, May 13th, the 17th, uh, and both shows are at 7 o'clock. It's right here. Mm -hmm. And the details will be on my YouTube channel. Well, this, uh, you, but you haven't stopped performing really, uh, or, but this is your first time back in New York. Yes, it's because of the pandemic. I mean, everything, I was, I was locked down. I got, I mean, three days after the Bistro Awards, I, everything, you know, the world came to a standstill. And I think I got the last flight out of here back to London, where I also live. And uh, I was in lockdown there on my own for two plus years. And then getting things sorted out to get back here. And it's it's taken all that time to get back here to do a show because, I mean, everyone was in the same boat. We all had everything canceled. And, and I, I was watching a diary, just, you know, constantly blank spaces coming up where they were filled before blank spaces popping up and everyone was in the same boat. So it was difficult for, for anyone to, to book dates, you know, to accommodate all of us. And uh, finally we got this date sorted out. So I'm, I'm very happy to be back. I must admit, I, I love singing in New York and I, I'm with my people. <laughs> and how, it's, how did, it's you, very keep, fun. How did it, you keep your artistic, yeah. you know, juices going during the pandemic? Well, um, I listened to a lot of music. I played back, well, like a lot of people, maybe I, I, I don't know what got into my system, but I started going through and I thought I'll organize and digitize my memorabilia. And, oh, God, I, I really goofed in doing that because it was all consuming. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't pay to be a pack rat. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> I found tons of things and I, I found ideas for songs and all that. So I started thinking, oh, well, go back and think about that. So I started making notes for another show. Um, and ideas that I would throw to my team Dallas of Barry Kleinbort and Chris Denny and throwing back and forth ideas on it. So that took a lot of time. And just, as I say, going back and I, I was remembering a lot of things. I, I think we were all in the same boat of, of reliving moments in the past that made us feel good. And um, yeah, I, as I say, I found all sorts of wonderful things, tapes and and pictures and costume sketches and all that sort of thing. And as I say, it does not pay to be a pack rat. Did you did you turn to doing any performances online during that period? I did a few, but I found that frustrating. I love I love the feeling of being 
able to look in someone's eyes and almost to be able to reach out and touch them physically. I love that feeling. And it was frustrating. And there's also a thing with trying to do Zoom sessions with music. Sometimes it's not always in sync. And Richard will know this. So you resort to different programs and things you can use, like uh, one music program, Jam Kazam. So if I had sessions with Barry and, uh, and Chris, it had to be on Jam Kazam. And that, it, it got a few things done, but it was not as satisfactory as being in the room, being able to stand there next to Chris and, and tap him on the shoulder and say, no, 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 let's try this. And it, it's just not the same. But it, it was a decent substitute for what we were all going through. I'll put it that way. Well, yeah. Lorna, everything was shut down here in New York. Uh, was it the same situation in London as well? Or when did things start to come back there? And as things were starting to come back, did you feel comfortable, uh, number one, going back into the clubs? When did you feel your comfort level come back? It took quite a while. I, it was very strange. I During the lockdown, oddly enough, I had a, a call from, uh, I had a doctor's appointment, and I didn't think it would happen, but. The nurse rang, she said, oh, yes, Lorda, we're going to have the uh, appointment for you. And I said, okay. And so it was in London, and I drove in, and what would normally take me an hour and a half took me 21 minutes from my door, sailing right through. I parked outside the doctor's office. There were no cars around, empty streets, and when I came out of the appointment, and of course wearing masks and everything, when I came out of the appointment, I thought, while I'm in town, I'm just going to drive around and see what it's like. Well, I, it's like, it was like, what is that program? Twilight Zone? Twilight Zone. Okay. <laughs> Everything was like that. And I was driving around the most busy streets in London, Piccadilly Circus, and Trafalgar Square and all that. And Piccadilly, and I, I finally, I picked up my telephone and I was like, when I come to a red light, I was shooting pictures around the only noise was the wind blowing over the the car roof and um and and just eerie eerie fit no one was on the street and uh i was waiting at the red light at piccadilly circus and suddenly i saw a white double-decker bus go past i have never ever seen a white double-decker bus and no one was on it and it was like this ghostly thing. And I really thought, I am in the twilight zone. It, it was bizarre. And it, wow. it, took, it took, I would say, about 18 months before being able to feel that you were halfway comfortable of going back to, to doing some things. And then all the restrictions and all that. And, of course, restaurants and all that around the, the theaters, they lost so much business. Oh, A yes. lot of those were out of business. Uh, so many of the familiar uh, places that we've normally gone, I mean, the Joe Allen's, places like that, boarded up, and they, they had to stay dark for several days, even when it all came back. They were, like, shifting gears about, well, if shows aren't running in the area, it's no good, you know, being open because we don't have the business. People were afraid to go to the restaurants. And it took quite a while to get the theaters back in sync. But oddly enough, I will say that I feel safer or I felt safer coming back to New York and going to the theater and going out and about here than I did in London. Now that's a strange thing to say, but is it's there, very is true. Any, is there any reason why you want that? Um, I, I just think maybe we've got, we had so many foreign visitors and they, didn't observe the rules as much in in London as they are here, basically. And I think you were much stronger about it and having to show that you've had vaccinations and everything. And I think in London, some people took it rather as a joke or not as not as wholeheartedly as they should have. Well, yeah, I, have, I have the same experience with driving in Los Angeles that you did during the ah. pandemic, where, where it would normally take me a good hour and a half to drive from yes. Santa Monica to downtown LA. Yeah. 18 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Meet me then. <laughs> well, yeah, I can tell you about that as well. I mean, I, first of all, I am so thrilled uh, that Michael Orlan, one of the busiest men in show business is here for 16 years. 
uh, he, he's going to hate me for saying this. He was the man behind the voices of everybody on uh, American Idol. I mean, he was there, you know, coaching and, you know, playing for everyone. I met Michael when I, uh, he was our rehearsal pianist uh, when I was booked in Atlantic City uh, right. years ago. And, uh, and then when I found out that he was not going to be our musical director, uh, I just wanted to burst into tears. Uh, because then they came in and said, we're going to be working with tracks. It was the one and only time I worked with tracks. And I said, I will never do it again. And I never have. I will. I, I refuse to work the tracks in this business. And I know that economically that a lot of people go there, but it's something that I refuse to do. Michael, welcome back. How are you? Hi, everybody. It is so good to see you. And you are busier than ever now. Kind of staying. Well, it's just getting busy again. So it's, you know, after tax season, <laughs> doesn't it need to get busy? For <laughs> and I'm going to go grab a power cord. I will be right back. So how, but how did it feel for you, Michael, to start coming back? And I mean, Lorna touched upon something that I'd like you uh, to address because a lot of people were going to Zoom to try to keep their juices going, you know, uh, uh, performing, rehearsing, whatever. And of course, as we all know, unless they had Jam Kazam, there was a delay, which must have been incredibly frustrating if they didn't have that. Right. Um, but when did people, when did, you start feeling comfortable to start making the foray back into the public eye again. Well, you know, it's so funny because of the pandemic, um, my friend Caesar that helps me with my uh, Instagram, you know, got me to start doing these live shows on Instagram every week. And I would get like a former idol from the first 16 seasons and uh, including uh, Paula Abdul and a few other people like on the staff and would get these live shows going. And what's so funny is it drummed up a lot of work and a lot of business. And a lot of people from outside the country, you know, said, oh, we want, I want to coach with you. And, um, and so it, it actually picked up because of that. And then my friend, Debbie Gravitt, who you know, yes. um, she and I did a, um, a Broadway, uh, you know, like a Broadway workshop kind of thing, like mm -hmm. an audition workshop that we did every week for like at least three or four months, maybe longer. And we would get a special guest to come on every week, including Kristen Chenoweth and Catherine McPhee and all that. I would call all my friends and go, I need a favor, Megan Hilty, everybody. Um, and so we were doing these and it was really great. So it really kind of picked up. Now, I don't, don't judge me, you guys. I don't have Jam Kazam. <laughs> um, and, and I'll tell you, I do so many students on FaceTime and Zoom and it's definitely frustrating and there's definitely a whole new way to do things now. Yeah. Um, like even warming up vocally, you have to play it and then wait for them to do it and then play it, wait for them to do it. A lot of times when I'm working on a song or I'm working on somebody's audition with them, I will make a piano track. I will record a piano track, send it to them and then let them work with that so I can listen. But it's definitely a whole new way since the pandemic. And um, But I have a lot more students, even though a lot of students have returned in person to my I have a studio behind my house even though a lot of people have returned, I still have people from all over the country and some a lot of uh, outside the US that I still do on Zoom and FaceTime. So I've learned to just do it and, you know, and, and, and make it work. But uh, when did you feel comfortable to start traveling again? Because I mean, I saw you, uh, you were 54 below uh, with Mary Lou Henner, not, uh, uh, was that a year that ago? Was one of the first, that was like one of the first things we did. It's so funny because the first, uh, I remember the last two things I did right before like everything shut down, I was doing a, a concert with Kristen Chenoweth and I remember like they were just talking about all this stuff and I remember she came out with her opening number with a can of Lysol, which was funny then, but <laughs> not so funny after that we got shut down. And then, and then the, uh, the, right, the night right before, and we got shut down like five days later. And the night before that, I did a show outside of Palm Springs with Lucy Arnaz. And she kept saying, do you think we should cancel? And I remember staying at, with Lucy and Larry. And they were, Larry's like, wash your hands again. Wash your hands. <laughs> we were like, we didn't know what it was. But, you know, listen, I'm still a mask wearer. I wouldn't go on an airplane without a mask. And I don't care who looks at me funny. 
Um, I don't want to be in a huge crowd without one. I, and I'm fine with it. And I listen, I, I've had all my vaccines and all that stuff and all the um, upgrades. What are they called? They're not upgrades. I was kept thinking. <laughs> I like upgrades. I like that better than yeah, boosters. So, and, and I have not. Listen, I'm not. I'm knocking on wood because I haven't. I haven't had it yet, and um, I know it's. It's still. It's kind of rare. But listen, I, I, I'm careful, and I. I just. You know, gigs started coming back in, and people would say, "Hey, we're okay. We're okay. We're going to do this show. Everyone in the audience is going to be wearing masks." You know, I went to a show the other night in L.A. in a 99 seat theater, Equity Waiver Theater. A friend of mine was in it. And they, they, they ask you to wear uh, masks in the audience to prevent, you know, giving it to the cast members. And I love that they do that. And, and I didn't see anybody making a big scene. I didn't see anybody. So, no, you know, it's it's funny. Yesterday I had a doctor's appointment, and uh, they uh, before I walked in, there was a sign on the door that said, "Don't even think of walking in if you're not wearing a mask." Everybody was yeah. wearing a mask. You know, one man walked in without a mask, and he asked for a mask immediately, and they gave him one. Um, yeah. Some places do have this. Uh, I am seeing that, uh, you know, and I went to a reading uh, last week for a show, and. Uh, they, you know, and they did say it was optional and nobody was wearing masks, you know, at, at, at the show. Uh, but they've got all the, you know, equipment and they're airing the theater out and everything. And yeah. I feel perfectly comfortable uh, yeah. being there. Um, yeah. But I'm with Lorna. I want to see faces. I want to see smiles. I know, smiles. you're right. But yeah. I thought, like, women like it because it saves on makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have you wind up spending more on eye makeup, so it all yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's only the it's only the lipstick, and you spend more. That's right. <laughs> Michael, I mean, you said that you don't have jam kazam, and you know, it's like everybody said you had to get jam kazam. And I've talked, and I've talked to um, Lorna. I've talked to your brilliant musical director and about it, oh, and I talked to Matt Berman and. You know, they were going to try to hook me up, but I, I don't know. I In my studio and in my house, I'm, everything's wireless, and you need, like, a mm -hmm. physical cable, I guess, to do it. I yeah. don't know. I, I'm also, like, an old dog with technology. Like, I'm that guy when something breaks down in my studio. If I can't get the guy to come and fix it, I just want to call a realtor and sell my house. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So I'm love a big it. technophobe. I'm a big technophobe, but... So yeah. like you have to get a you have to get a real um, wire you know from the cable that plugs in and I'm like yeah. oh my god I'm not wired I don't I can't be wireless I don't want it but I know <laughs> I should have it but then everyone you work with Chris Denny told me everyone you work yeah. with have to have it too yeah right yeah he's a master of it. but it's, I it's know. he was one of the funny. first people that I knew about that told me yeah. about it yeah he's Professor Denny on it but my, uh, the thing I have to say though is that the one thing. You know, we'll we'll find ways to 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 create and work together and all that. But the one thing I hope we, is never replaced is some artificial thing that's going to replace what I do sing. So never, as long as it, it comes down to the real thing on that, I'm okay. Yeah, I, I, I you know, and this is pretty scary. And uh, watch out, Judy. Uh, the other day, I. Uh, there's a, a guy that I, I follow him and uh, he actually went on artificial intelligence and he went in and this artificial intelligence bot interviewed him about his career, asked all the right questions, asked right. everything. Yeah. And it, I don't know if you've seen recent music video that just went out with Drake and uh, who is the other singer uh, Suzanne, you're not you're nodding your head. Did you see this? Yeah, I, I can't remember who the other singer was. Uh, but it sounds exactly like Drake and the other singer, and uh, and it sounds also like their style of singing, and that is quite frightening. I've yeah. heard that people they're able to replicate your speaking voice. Mm -hmm. They're able to do uh, voiceover work. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, so it's weird. It's a little funky because yeah, people used to yeah. say to me all the time about, did you try that AI app? And I'm like, American Idol. I don't I thought that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were talking about the artificial. No, the speech replication is really, really frightening because they can make yeah. anyone look like they're saying anything. 
Yeah. Or say, you know, yeah. say anything, you know, put it out mm-hmm. there, especially in today's world. I mean, you could, ru- you know, you could ruin a marriage, you know, by you know, sending something out like this. Yeah. You know, it, it's just uh, amazing. Um, I want to, you know, ask each of you, I mean, Lorna, um, Suzanne, uh, with all due respect to you, Lorna has an, a phenomenal uh, publicist. I know Richard Hillman, uh, his initials. I know you're in his office though, Lorna. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, Lorna, um, he's across the room from you, obviously. Uh, so Lorna, I, he does, you know, the work and he's very good about getting the word out about the work you're doing. Um, do you still uh, feel that there you have to get the word out yourself in terms of getting an audience in to come and see you? Um, are you able to just relax and just go with the flow these days. It's a difficult thing because unfortunately, everything rests on the shoulders of most artists, especially in the paradigm of New York City cabaret. Yes, well, I think you have to work with the publicists and you they've got to be your best friend and you're almost, you're in a marriage with them really. And it's, it's a thing that you do have to, you can't sit back and let them do everything. They can't, it's impossible because uh, you have to be in front of people. And and I've tried to get out. I want to see friends in their shows and all that and see a lot of different people. And um, it is it is something that you really have to do. And you, you do this so well, Richard, because you're out at everything. I, I, I'm amazed at what you can cover. But it is a thing of of genuinely wanting to to be out with the public. And I think it helps a lot. It helps a lot to have a good publicist. As I say, it is a marriage, basically. But uh, I, you know, I genuinely feel I've, I've got a, a wonderful show that I want to put on now, and and I, I just want to do anything that I can to get it out there and get it known to people that I'm I'm back in New York and doing these shows. So it's it's there's a lot to do, and I don't mind doing it. It's fun. So. Now, Michael, I know you've got a lot of events coming up, and and I'm not able to get all of them up here, but I'm going to have okay. I'm going to have all the links uh, on my YouTube channel, and I've got a a couple here that I can show for this week. Um, but you, I mean, with all that you're, uh, well, that's the wrong one. Uh, oh. you, that's the uh, fuzzy one. Uh, but you've got uh, with uh, you are so busy, um, and you were. Uh, I will say this. God bless you. With all the, I mean, all of these artists that you work with, you were very proactive with uh, getting the word out about these artists. Yeah, um, I, well, I mean, I try. It's 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 all about, especially when you're playing in these clubs. Like, if this is going to be at Vibrato, and I'm playing uh, on Thursday night with with James Snyder at, um, at Catalina Club, it's all about getting, you know, filling seats, and you know, and it's just like. We do social media stuff. We he comes over for rehearsal. We go live, like anything, to just to like you know you got to let people know this. This is these, these things are going on, and I will do anything to help anybody get some you know some publicity. I'm happy to like post somebody's thing I'm doing on my Instagram and stuff and whatever, and um and so yeah, it's just it's so important. It's hard to play to an empty room, and. Uh, and depressing. We've all been there, yeah. right, Lorna? I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, I, remember I will say people. this. I just performed in Washington, D.C. Uh, I was lucky to have a sold-out house. Uh, I went in with a guarantee. And both Lorna and Michael, don't you find that I find that when there's a guarantee, I'm almost assured a sold-out house because the venue mm-hmm. wants to get their investment back and they are going to work to get an audience in there. Well, that happens a lot out of town. It doesn't happen like here in LA. Like I'm going to do my open mic in San Francisco and James's show and we have a guarantee against the door, which is so nice. But Mm -hmm. so we definitely have less to worry about and they need to worry about it more. But, you know, you still want to put the word out there. It's still more fun to play to a full house and have a great time. Yeah. a lot of times it's not even about the money. It's just about let's have a great fun time. And, you know, I've worked exactly. for way less many times, but had the greatest time of my life. Uh, yeah. so, Can I um, add something? Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I, I think it's that. Well, no, I was just going to comment that a lot everyone's, of everyone's so overscheduled. 
Yes. Yeah. That too. Sure. I, I was going to comment that I, you know, a lot of venues that I've seen also will, you know, if they, if they're not getting the response they need, will give out free tickets just because the venue can make money selling alcohol. Right. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Right. Yes. So is, they'd yeah. rather fill up the place. They can still yeah. make money selling selling alcohol. And at least the, the performers have somebody to perform for. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't understand. So I know there are some clubs in New York that uh, like they only that you get four comps per show. And I'm like, yeah, but if it's not full, shouldn't we comp more people and exactly. still have to drink and eat food minimum? Like, what's yeah. the big deal? Well, exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll do it for no cover. I just, we want yeah. bodies in seats. Yeah, True. I don't understand True. that mentality. Like, yeah. I don't know, a lot of clubs are very lenient with it, but mm -hmm. I know there are certain clubs in New York that are not. And mm -hmm. they're like, yeah. nope, you only get four. You want other you want other people in here, you have to pay the cover for them. Like, yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and first you want you want you want critics in as well, and right. you've got to allow for that. So it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a double-edged sword in a way, in yeah. that sense, you know. But it, it it's always nicer to sing for a full house and more more people and all that. But if you know if you can't get them in, if something happens, there's so much going on, you know, fine. But I you know it's it does fill us all our our creative tanks and our sustenance that we need to see faces. Yeah. Yeah. Man just mentioned faces. that everyone is overcommitted, but it, we're also at the mercy of a news cycle. Anything can happen in the news that can just shift, you know, the mood of everyone, something horrible happens in the news or something's going on in New York City, especially, or LA. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, we're up against that. I want to ask each of you, and I'm going to start with you, Suzanne, um, with social media, uh, with the platforms that you're on, and each platform has its own personality and its own uh, way of doing things. Do you have a, a particular favorite platform that you enjoy doing uh, marketing and promotion on? And if so, why? Um, that's a hard question. I think you have to go with the demographics. I'm, I tell everyone, and as, as I said, I, I do public relations. I'm also doing the producing, but there's a, a merge into it. So I get to see it from different angles. Um, I always tell everyone, just take two of them and do your best at those because it's impossible to do your best at all of them. Instagram is not something I was on. I just started being on it. I thought Facebook was my demographics for what I, I first of all, I love Twitter because it's nice and easy and it's late breaking news. I don't have to hashtag like crazy and I know how to work it. Um, Facebook, I thought was doing well for my demographic, which is a little bit older, which is what I'm looking for with my, my, my talk show and the movies that I work on. Um, but I am finding that Instagram crosses young people too old and I'm getting better engagement on that. And now I'm saying, okay, now I got to figure out how to work Instagram because it changed. I've heard, I was out in LA for an award series and there was a young person saying, put, posting something. She said, they changed it. Now I got to figure it out. And I said, I am so glad to hear a young person say, because that, that's the whole thing. They, I get this PR examiner newsletter every day and it's all the changes. It's constantly changing. Yeah. So the answer is find what you can work the best and stick with it. Good advice. Uh, Laura, do you have a favorite that you work with? Oh, gosh. Um, well, Facebook sometimes works. It, as as Suzanne said, it's hard to keep up with it. It's changing almost daily with what, yeah. what works and what is fast and what everyone wants to latch on to. So... I'm trundling along with, with Facebook, but trying to, to be educated in, in the other platforms as well. But it is hard to keep up and you think, well, I wanna I wanna work on music and I can't work on work on it all. So it's frustrating from that standpoint. But but uh, I, I try to keep up with as much as I can on it. We have to these days. We really do. You just reminded me of a great question I want to ask in a moment. But Michael, what uh, you have really utilized Instagram in your favor. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely work the Instagram. However, like now people are saying, oh, you got to get on TikTok. And I'm like, I, I literally don't have more time yeah. in the day. I, I am so social. I am so active. I mean, I have a friend that helps me. He posts all my Instagram stuff for me. But I interact with every comment that people write. I do do that. And um, but it's it's a lot. It's literally every second in between students and going on, answering somebody. That's how I get. I'm getting students too, and um, 
Um, it's a lot. And so now people are going, oh, you got to get on TikTok. I'm like, I don't have enough time in the day for it. I don't, it's, it's not really. And But I do love Facebook. I find it just, listen, I, I, for all of us, I think social media is only, it's a perception of what people see that we're doing. People right. say to me, oh my God, you're working nonstop. I'm not working nonstop. It looks like I am. But you know what I mean? But that's what's great about social media. It just, it's good to like appear like that and whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I'm saying busy, but people go, oh my God, you're going here, you're going there. I'm like, yeah, but it's not as crazy as it looks. It's but branding. It, it is, it's a branding yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think though, you know, you can't, it's literally a full-time job to do all these social media things on your own. It's, that's why yeah. I could fuck out help with my Instagram. Yeah. And that's why people have publicists like you two ladies too. <laughs> I have someone doing my social media. Yeah, it's no, that's it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Well, I want to ask about that in a moment. Michael, I want to ask you a question. And Judy, do you have anything you want to ask or say before I go to my next question? No, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, because I have two millennial children, right? <laughs> um, for They're, you know, digital natives, right? And so for them, they live on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, you know, and and they are working, but they are, you know, they their work depends on those platforms, so they just all day long, they're working, but they, you know, it works for ADHD kids, you know, <laughs> because they can divide their attention in six different oh, ways. Lord. And, yeah. you know, it's, it really is amazing. Yeah. Now, Michael, I, I, no, so I was just going to say, it's so interesting about how, um, you know, like that it, it just takes up all our lives, but it really is, I, I, I stress to people I work with all the time, they, I, how important it is. And especially like, now for like the whole way the music business is, you have to get your songs on, on, I mean, this is for kids. This is not for us grownups that do cabaret and do all the nightclub stuff and all that stuff. For kids like to have, who do original songs, who get it out there, that's how everyone does. I used to fall into YouTube holes. Now I fall into TikTok holes. And right. I go watch these real, yeah. real after real after real. And it's like, it's a, a, a whole, I don't even watch the news anymore at night. I just watch that till I fall asleep. Uh -huh. You know, and it's just so, but it, it, there's pros and cons to all of it. There's yeah. pros and cons to all of it. But my, I, I was. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Suzanne. I was going to say, I, got, I was mad at Elon Musk and the whole Twitter thing. So I went off Twitter for a month and a half mm -hmm. and my views all went down. I was so mad. I said, I got to go back, back on that. I mean, that, that was going to be my next question. I did leave Twitter um, as a result of the Elon Musk thing. And I know, Michael, that you're still on Twitter. And I was going to ask you, as someone who is active on Twitter, if you feel any of this uh, cyclone that the media is reporting about what's going on with Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so stupid. I'm sitting buried at my piano. Like, I don't even, like, know all of it. I know a lot of friends, a lot of celebrity friends have left it, left it and all that. And they're taking the like, mm -hmm. the blue check away. And listen, one of my dearest friends who is the number one female crime writer in the world, Patricia Cornwell, she's, Ooh. her audience is like her biggest audience is on Twitter. And she was really like toying. Do I leave? Do I stay? Do I? And cause, but that's where her biggest fan base is. She has over a million followers on there and she can't leave it. So whether they take her check away or not, she's staying on. I mean, like, it doesn't matter, but I'm not, uh, I don't know enough of really what's happening to sound smart. So I'm going to just say, I have noticed a lot of people who have left, um, you know, and people that don't want to be a part of it anymore. I think all it's all, whatever you are into, I'm happy. I don't condemn anybody for doing what they want to do. I use it still. And I still get, you know, a lot of, uh, play on it but twitter's very niche there's soap twitter there's hallmark twitter there's movie twitter there's political twitter there's no, theater twitter so it's very niche and those audiences are very large hold on hold on hold on that's a fire right near here i'm kidding oh that's not me who is that no, new york <laughs> oh, normally you. michael there's an airplane i mean i'm not here in the air i'm not here in the airplane today <laughs> But I, I keep hoping that there is going to be, you know, an offshoot or something. Oh, I'm waiting for that person 
and I wish that I had the funds to do it, come along and take over Twitter and make Twitter. GoFundMe started? Uh, What was that? Should we get a GoFundMe started? GoFundMe for me. Take over Twitter uh, and make it what I think it should be because I've got Mm -hmm. ideas. Um, But, uh, and I I actually am that, I left Facebook, uh, which was, which was a, big thing for me to do. Um, I'm actually on Facebook one day a month. I come okay, on. That's really good. Good for you. Know, I check everything, but I left it because um, I just found that for me, I had this fear uh, that, and I want to be more than just an item in someone's newsfeed. And I found that since I left Facebook, that my, in terms of communication with those that make a difference in my life, those that matter, um, it made a difference. It truly made a difference. And that people were really connecting with me on a level that I wasn't getting through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And uh, that helped me. So uh, that was what I needed. So I was happy about making that decision. Um, So remember when we just used to pick up the phone and talk to somebody? Now we spend that time on Facebook. Yeah. I, I still do that exactly. too. You'll hear my closing sure. remarks yeah. in a few moments. But I want to ask you one last question, and you know, and I and I know that uh, Michael, you've got to get out of here because you've got a student coming in. Uh, but uh, I want to ask each of you uh, quickly, um, Lorna. You touched upon this before. We are all artists, uh, mm-hmm. and Judy, you are incredibly busy as well. Um, how do you compartmentalize? Uh, the work that you need to do. You need to, I mean, you, you've got to focus on your music. You've got a show to put yeah. there. You've got all these things. And then on top of all that, you've got to get the word out. You so mm-hmm. uh, you network because that's mm-hmm. what it's all about in this business. Yeah. How do you personally compartmentalize it all and make it a balance for yourself? Well, I have to, I try to set it, a time through the day that I'm, I know that it's going to be devoted to the work and, and rehearse the music and all of that, then say, okay, fine. If I can get through that and I feel safe about that, I've got more time. And uh, if I get through that in the less than the time I've I'd allotted for it, then I've got a little bit more time to do the other things. And I try to make a goal of, of the things that are most important through the day. And the goals might change with each day. I mean, the, on a Monday, it may be, you know, it's all music. On a Tuesday, it, it's it's looking at social media and getting things out. So I, I try to to work it that way and try to keep on some sort of schedule that way because always things come up that we don't expect. We all have that. But if, if I know I can get certain things done, fine. But one good thing that my late husband used to tell me, he said, Lorna, for Pete's sake, when you go on email – don't do something very quickly without really thinking it through because sometimes you don't put down what you're really thinking and it's already done and you've sent it and it's you've been too quick with it. And that's that has sort of stuck with me about thinking about, okay, think about what I have to do, what's important, Lorna. Don't rush some things because you're going to mess it up to be very polite. That's so uh, that, that's how I try to think of it. Uh, Judy, what about yourself? I like what you said, Lauren. Sometimes you have to slow it down, <laughs> right? And just yeah. take your time and really you know, make sure you know what you're yeah. doing here. Yeah. Uh, I, I am very scheduled. Uh, you know, if it's not in my book, it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, and I'm very careful with certain parameters, like my exercise time is, is sacrosanct. Nothing interferes with that. Um, you know, you're dying and you need to talk to me. Great. Wait two hours. You know, it's so I'm very clear with those kinds of boundaries. Uh, And it's also, you know, it's very much scheduling very specifically what I'm going to do from what time to what time. And I try not to deviate from that as much as possible because I, if I deviate, it's going to throw off everything. And I know that, So, you know, and I build in, in addition to exercise time, I also make sure I have time just for me, you know, just relaxing. That's good. That's right. Just kind of me time. Suzanne? So. 
I, I'm scheduled just like uh, Dr. Judy is and I experience the same things that Lorna does. I schedule, I try to get through all my emails in the morning and then the afternoon is for creative work. I have Tuesday, Twitter, Friday, Facebook. Rarely does this pan out, but lately um, I just say to every day, I say, what is the most important thing I have to get done? And then what am I gonna do that's going to make me happy today? It could be a walk, it could be exercise, it could be watching an episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is fantastic this season. Um, so that's that's how I do it. But it's always juggling. Right. So I want to wrap everything up very quickly. Laura, I got your message, so I know what's going on. So uh, I, what, I want to give everyone a chance to have your final word of the day. It could be about anything that we talked about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you just want to leave everyone with. I will give my final word. Well, Lorna, let me start with you, and then I will let you go in case your battery runs out. Yeah. So you go first. The power plug wasn't working. Anyway, no. I, I just I really hope that that people will be able to come to the the new shows because the new show is is all about coping with what we've all gone through and I'm I'm going back and as I say being that pack rat that I was I found so many things that brought about so many wonderful memories and I've used a lot of those thoughts in this show and it's a it's a very introspective and powerful show in my mind and I've I'm getting across some wonderful healing thoughts as well in it. And um, I, I just am anxious to, to, to get out and sing for people and, and just want to see as many friends there as possible. Well, I'm hoping to be there. And thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Michael. Oh, well, you know, I was so excited to get to my part of the question so I could say how much like Dr. Judy. I well, am. you can do the same thing. I have to say, I think, um, I mean, for me, I think I have some manageable OCD and, um, you know, it doesn't get in my way of living and life. And but I, I love to be organized and I just I I love to I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, I do my Facebook birthdays, I check my bank balance, I check my Amex card, make sure nobody's charged anything wrong. Like I have my my ritual. And I think between I'm a Libra with my moon in Virgo, but besides that, I my my two dearest friends, Amy Ryder and Suzette Sheets. Amy, who you probably know, Richard. Oh, I love Amy. Give her my love, please. I will, but we have a club called Children of Virgo Mothers. <laughs> and I think that I'm not kidding. It really, it's something because I mean, and I am, we are, I mean, like what I do, I'm juggling every day between music styles, between people, between people's behaviors and uh, you know, how they are and between celebrities and like between, I, most of my students are between the ages of seven and 17. So I'm dealing with kids and their parents. And um, so it's just like, it's a lot of, juggling and just being right in the middle there and just giving everybody the confidence they need to go on. And I just, I love um, being a spreader of that. So it's what makes me happy. And, and my dog, of course. Who's... Is your dog nearby? I, she just was. Where the heck did she go? I'll, I'll send a picture later. Uh, is she outside? Because I thought I saw she a dog outside. She must be outside. Yeah, she's All right, I'm gonna look while we okay, but keep going while I look. Oh, here she is. Oh, she's adorable. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> right under the piano. Oh, <laughs> a real diva. She turns her back on the camera. Enough of you people. Right. <laughs> Any final word that you want to leave everyone with today, Michael? Before we say au revoir. I'm gonna say confidence because it's the most attractive thing in people. And um, I fake it every day. And I try to tell people that I am so socially awkward when I'm not sitting at a piano. That's why I'm even doing this from my piano. And, um, but literally it's just like, I, what I tell people all the time, you just have to be confident. It's so attractive in a person and I, I, you really can learn to fake it until you believe it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like just to act as if. And um, I try to help. That's what I, you know, for 16 years on American Idol, we didn't have time to give kids voice lessons. We got them confident on stage and with who they were. Mm -hmm. And that's what turned them into these amazing performers. And that's what I love giving. And you've I hypnotized a young man today who's just graduating college and who I've seen on and off for a number of years. 
And he said, you know, what I want to work on, um, you know, is, uh, you know, self-actualization and having belief in myself. So I hypnotized him about self-confidence. And at the end of the session, he was crying. And he said, nobody, he said, you told me things I always wished my parents had told me. Oh, oh that's yeah. so amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Amazing. Yeah, well, no, I want to recommend, uh, recommend a book. book. Um, it's called Confidence, C-A-L-M-F-I-D-E-N-C-E. Mm. Uh, it's by Patricia Stark. She's been on the show. And uh, it's an incredible book. Everybody get the book. Uh, plug for you, Patricia, if you're watching. Uh, but it's a great book. So, and thank you for great. that. Great. Thank you, Michael. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for being hey, here. Stay so in touch. Uh, when are you going to be in New York again? Uh, I'll be. I'm doing Susie Moja's show at the uh, at the uh, Birdland. Birdland on the 30th of May, and then I have Clint Holmes June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th at 54 Below doing our Peter Allen show, and it's wow. And are you going to be in Provincetown at all this summer? I'm not. I'm going right from New York to Argentina actually. For I'm do, playing with the symphony there on June 11th, but uh, so that's going to be kind of fun. I've never that's been. Fun. Wow. All you can eat meat. Ah. <laughs> Good for you. Well, I love you, Michael. Thanks for love being you here. guys. Thank you, Dr. Judy. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye. Suzanne. She's frozen. My parting words? No, yes. yes. Am I? How about now? Yes, now. Better? Yes. Okay. My parting words, right? Yes. Well, first, Michael left, but I had two cats and I have a baby grand and they woke me up at night because they like to walk along those keys. It's the cutest thing. Um, so my parting words are just I have this talk show, which is an offshoot of my website. It's called The Libby Show. Um, it was a name when I hit a certain age, women of a certain age. Um, I coined the phrase. It stands for ladies in their living in their best years. And on the show, what I try to do is inspire women, because especially during the pandemic, I think if there was a second chapter to people's lives, it kind of pushed them down. So what I try to do on the show is inspire women and try to get them to live their best life because they could have many decades ahead of them. And that's that's what I'm trying to do right now. Terrific. Well, thank you. Come back anytime, please. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. And well, Judy, it's you and me. We'll be back again in two weeks. Uh, I want to thank everyone uh, for being here. I want to let you know I made a decision. I am actually going to be pulling back on the number of shows that I do here because I really want to get back to doing live performances again. And uh, I, uh, so if anyone out there, if you've got a, a favorite venue or anything, call your favorite venue and ask for me. Uh, I have a show called uh, The Magic of Believing. And it's my story about how I, as a young kid growing up in South Carolina, uh, believed that I could make it happen, and I did. And I came to New York, and that's what the show's about. Uh, and it's universal, because everyone has those dreams. Uh, and uh, I want to get back on the boards. Uh, doing it uh, last month uh, really uh, reinforced that for me. So that's where a lot of my focus is going to be. Uh, Judy and I will still be doing this, God willing, uh, every other week. But uh, uh, I'll still be doing shows, but there'll be few, uh, uh, fewer of them. Uh, and uh, when something uh, catches my eye, I will still come out and do those. Um, as I do at the end of all of my shows, I tell everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. I do want to let you know tomorrow, I have a very special show. It's the book nearby. Um, I'm doing a show about the Beatles. I have this incredible guy on the show, Charles Rosnay, and he has interviewed celebrities, picking their favorite songs, their favorite uh, Beatles appearances, uh, interviews, everything. It is such a fun book. Um, if any of you watching have your favorite Beatles moments, write to me. I will try to bring you on the show or include those things as well. Anything to make it part of the show, it's going to be fun. Uh, so that's happening at five o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Um, but uh, just go out and do something nice for somebody else uh, without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone, call somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while. I do it. I try to do that every day. And it's a great thing to do. Um, and also, uh, as uh, Lorna was saying, you know, we're all in the same boat. 
We may be in the same boat, uh, but they're different size boats. Just make sure you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm turning it over to you, Judy, and it's all yours. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And I think the, the key words for today are perseverance, belief in yourself, and not letting anyone else tell you anything differently. It, it, there are many roads that we can travel, and it's okay to change roads down along the way if things aren't working out. But trust your gut, trust your instincts, and don't let anyone tell you you can't do what you know you can do. On that note, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank <laughs> you.